What are the foundational beliefs of critical race theory? What attitudes does this lead to with people who embrace them? And are those the same attitudes that the Bible tells us to have about race? You'll find out today on the Cross References Podcast. to the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a newbie Christian or a veteran Bible reader, our goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. This is Luke Taylor. I'm a pastor and not a doctor, and I'll tell you why today. I'm also an anti-anti-racist, and if you want to know why I say that, go back and listen to our previous episode, which was part one. Today is Critical Race Theory versus the Bible, Part 2. And I won't do a whole big long introduction like last time, because if you're listening to this one, you're probably ready to get back into the issue of whether critical race theory is compatible with the Bible. In the last episode, we did critical race theory defined. Today is going to be critical race theory destroyed. We explained what it is last time and put all the pieces together. And today, we're going to take it apart. I first started to notice critical race theory back in 2020 during all those riots and protests going on after George Floyd died. I realized that the people talking about race during that time were operating off of a different dictionary than I was whenever they were discussing these issues. Now, that had been going on for a few years, like ever since 2015 and 16, and when we started hearing concepts like systemic racism being thrown around a lot. And my question always was, If you believe in systemic racism, name the system. Show me where the system is that you're criticizing or calling racist. And nobody ever could. And then that took an even darker turn in 2020 when I noticed that a lot of these people who were using the new racial lingo were including people who were in the church. And where were they getting these ideas? Because I know it wasn't the Bible, and it also didn't jive with the way that I was raised. So I started looking into it all and I learned about critical race theory, also what I'll call today just CRT to be short. And, And as I looked into CRT, I realized that this was the worldview that had been overtaking society for several years now. So I can't just define CRT with a one sentence definition. It's kind of like asking someone to explain in one sentence what it means to be a Christian or a Democrat or Republican, you know, all in one sentence. That's that's an entire worldview. It's hard to boil it all down to one simple phrase. And so that's why last time I went through some of the new understandings of words, and that was part one of this lesson. It's easier to talk about what CRT thinks by understanding how it has redefined the vocabulary around race. And now since we're all on the same page, I would like to talk about whether this worldview is compatible with the Bible. Let's talk about worldviews for a minute. Everybody lives by a worldview that colors how we interpret the world around us. I mean, that's the purpose of a worldview. I want to explain how a worldview works. A worldview is foundations, attitudes, actions. It's set on foundations that lead to particular attitudes on the inside, and this manifests in certain actions on the outside. Foundations leading to attitudes, leading to actions, or to put it in reverse, your actions, what you do on the outside, they are based on attitudes that you hold on the inside what you think, what you feel about things, 
Those attitudes are rooted in your foundational beliefs about the world. You put all this together, and this describes how your worldview influences your life, both your thought life and how you act on the outside. Every worldview has a foundation, certain core tenets, and what you believe those core tenets are leads to particular attitudes. Depending on your attitudes about things, it leads to certain actions. A worldview is foundations, attitudes, actions. So try to remember that as we go forward. And as I put all this together, I call it a belief system. The foundations that lead to certain attitudes, which lead to certain actions. That working together is a belief system. Now, how does the Bible tell us to analyze belief systems? We'll look at a few places, 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That means we take every mindset, every worldview, every belief system, every thought or idea, and we hold it up next to the Word of God before deciding whether we should add that idea to our own biblical framework. Is it a godly idea? Should I reject it? Okay, the next verse today, It's this is the one about why God gave you pastors, teachers, people like me on this podcast right now, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but this is the mandate that God gave me to you who are listening, Ephesians 4.11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Okay, so here I am ready to build up the body of Christ. That's what we're doing right now. Now, for what purpose? Well, let's read on. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. My job today is to equip you to stand firm in this culture and not just buy into every new idea that the culture comes up with. If you just follow the culture, it will blow you to and fro. Culture changes like the wind. I mean, just look at clothing and hairstyles. You know, we make fun of the things that we wore 10, 20 years ago. We think it looks silly today, but it's the same with the things that we think. Ideas go in and out of fashion. Socialism was in 75 years ago, and then it was out, and now it's coming in again. Do we just follow the culture? No. We need to stay rooted and grounded in the Word of God. So that's what we're doing today. One more verse on worldviews is Matthew 7, 17 through 20. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So in the last part of my lesson today, I want to show that the fruit of CRT is bad. The fruit is poisonous. It destroys people's mentalities, their relationships, their love for their fellow man. It causes division where there used to be unity. All in the name of a reconciliation that only destroys, not unites. The fruit of CRT is bad. And from that alone, we can conclude that the whole tree is bad. So that's our outline for this lesson. It starts with what a belief system is, foundations, attitudes, actions. And, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to first explain why CRT has unbiblical foundations. Second, we will look at how this leads to unbiblical attitudes. And third, we'll address the unbiblical actions that result from CRT.
We're gonna start with the point that I made at the end of the last episode. CRT is unbiblical foundationally because its definitions are wrong. Racism is a personal animus against someone on the basis of their skin color. In the previous episode, we talked about how racism has been redefined as systems of oppression. But that's not the biblical understanding of the sin of racism. In Acts 10, Peter stood up and said, God shows no partiality. And he said this to explain why he believed the gospel was for everybody, meaning that we shouldn't show partiality either. But CRT redefines this concept to say that it's good to show partiality, that it's good to give one race preference over another, as long as you're disenfranchising a white person. What we ought to oppose the sin of racism, we ought to examine our hearts regularly, all of us, in this regard, to hope that this never creeps in. So the idea that any system that leads to inequity is therefore now racism, that's not a biblical understanding of what the sin of racism is. A second reason that the CRT foundations are unbiblical are that they rely on a framework of history that's historically inaccurate. So let's talk for a minute about something called the 1619 Project. That's a series of articles that were published by the New York Times a few years ago. It tried to frame America's founding as a method by which to preserve the institution of slavery. It basically tried to say that America was only founded to be able to have slavery, that this was the basis of America. Here's a quote from the 1619 Project. It said, One of the primary reasons the colonists decided to declare their independence from Britain was because they wanted to protect the institution of slavery. Now, actual historians disagreed with this rewriting of American history. They responded to this claim by saying, and here's a quote that one of them responded with, I don't know of any colonist who said that they wanted independence in order to preserve their slaves. Another follow-up quote was, no colonist expressed alarm that the mother country was out to abolish slavery in 1776 with the mother country being England, which is where the, uh, the first Americans immigrated from. The New York Times won a Pulitzer for this 1619 project, but then they also had to retract a whole bunch of information after historians criticized it for being misleading or outright lying about American history. The truth is, slavery was every country's story in, in history. It's not a uniquely American thing. People of every race, have both been or held slaves at some point in world history. I mean, it's a fact of history in the world, and it really didn't change until pretty recently. Now, does that mean that America's history on race is just great and perfect? <laughs> you know, of course not. We have a shameful history on race. I'm just saying it's not a uniquely terrible history. Lots of countries have horror stories in their histories when they talk about race. Despite the historical inaccuracy of the 1619 Project, it has been adopted today into our country's educational system to teach kids that America was founded specifically to preserve slavery. I highly doubt that they teach the truth in, in schools anymore, that America was founded to create a place where people could freely practice Christianity. You know, America was founded to protect the institution of freedom of religion, specifically of the Christian church. Slavery is a horrible thing that was going on in society at that time as well. But as I said, it was basically going on everywhere. This was not a motivating factor in the founding of America. In fact, many of the founding fathers wanted to do away with slavery at the time that they fought the Revolutionary War. 
But they still needed the support of the southern states, and those states were much more reliant on slavery. So they put abolition on the back burner while they tried to get the country started. I'm not saying that just automatically makes them saints or says it was okay that they still preserve slavery. I mean, I, I do think they were some great men who founded the country. And I'm just acknowledging also that they were products of their time. So the 1619 Project gives an incomplete, in, incorrect, very skewed, and outright false impression of America's founding. A third way that CRT gives an unbiblical foundation is in its concept of truth. As we explained in part one, CRT says that white people can't know the truth, that only oppressed minorities can interpret reality for the rest of us. Sorry, but that's flat out wrong. Truth is found in God's word, and God's word doesn't say anything like that. Furthermore, there is nothing wrong with using objective data as well as facts and evidence to discern the truth. Two plus two is and always will be four. It doesn't matter what someone thinks or if they want to call that racist. Opinion, opinion doesn't matter when it comes to objective facts. So those are the unbiblical foundations of CRT. Next, let's talk about the unbiblical attitudes. And this is where people, and even Christians, get drawn into this worldview. Because the attitudes are where our emotions are. Most of the time, people get sucked into the cultural attitude on something like race. And they later, they later kind of reverse engineer their beliefs onto new foundations in order to match their new emotional attitude on race. Because the attitudes, the emotions, that's where this thing gets you. And it's not hard to pull on our heartstrings because a lot of us have a deep sadness or regret for how, min for how minorities were treated in our country's history. And then it just becomes this thing of saying, well, if you feel bad about how black people were treated in the past, you need to do X, Y, and Z today. So let's give some examples of this. Th these are the unbiblical attitudes of CRT. Number one is the unbiblical attitude about identity. CRT says that our identity is found in our racial group. The Bible says our identity is found in Christ, not race. And that's why I said last time that I would feel more of a kinship in my heart with a fellow Christian in, say, Kenya, than I do with a white neighbor across the street who doesn't know Christ. CRT is considered progressive, but getting your identity from your skin color, that is a regressive way of thinking. We shouldn't get up in the morning and focus on what makes us different from everyone else. Number two on attitudes, race has clearly become an idol in modern culture, an idol of the heart. How can you know when something has become an idol? Whenever it becomes the lens through which you view everything. If you view everything through the lens of money or your favorite political party, those are key, those are key indicators that those things have become an idol for you. And while I can't necessarily look into everybody's heart, when people are saying that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is racist, it's clear that race has become an idol for them at some point in the past. As I write this, uh, there's a Supreme Court justice who's about to be voted on in the Supreme Court. Uh, by the time that this episode airs, she will probably already be confirmed. Now, she happens to be a black woman. In fact, President Joe Biden said that was precisely why he nominated her, because of her race and gender. Well, a few years ago, that would have been considered racial discrimination. And frankly, it still is. But under CRT, giving preferential treatment to minorities 
is a moral good. And what I found even more disturbing is that there's churches around the country who are celebrating the Supreme Court Justice's nomination when her views are in direct conflict with the Bible. She endorses abortion. She believes the progressive and dangerous and unbiblical new gender ideology that's being pushed right now. And yet there's churches around the country who are excited about this black woman purely on the basis of her skin color, not regarding the evil beliefs that she holds. That is idolizing race. I mean, I can't believe I'm seriously having to say this, but we should care more about what someone believes than what skin color she has, especially for a job like a Supreme Court justice where her rulings will affect millions of people and these rulings will derive from her philosophy and outlook on life. I can't imagine why any Christian would celebrate this appointment unless race has become more important to them than God's morals. Third, CRT produces a moral asymmetry. That means double standards. You know, symmetry is when something is the same on both sides. Asymmetry means it's different on both sides. Now, the classic attitude about race for the past several decades, it's been that all people should be treated equally, that you should treat everyone the same regardless of race. As we've gone over, CRT doesn't believe that. CRT believes that ethics are rooted in power dynamics, that it's okay for members of an oppressed class to do something but it's not okay for members of the oppressor class to do that same thing. And that thing could be to engage in particular speech or have certain behaviors or have certain attitudes. Like for example, when it's considered okay for minorities to pray to hate white people, that's what we talked about last time, you know, that would be a moral asymmetry. More commonly, CRT says that it's perfectly fine for minorities to have prejudiced views toward white people, but obviously, it would be wrong for whites to have prejudiced views against anyone else. That is moral asymmetry. We saw it on display in 2020 when the Black Lives Matter activists, they were engaged in rioting and theft and people were making all kinds of excuses for them about why it was okay for them to do that. That's moral asymmetry. Also in 2020, popular celebrity Nick Cannon, he called white people savages, literally. That's the word he used. He called white people savages. He still has his job. He didn't even apologize for what he said. Uh, could you imagine if a president got up and said he was only considering white people for his Supreme Court nominee? I mean, he would be impeached if he said that. That would be just as evil as when the president said he was only considering black nominees. One is just as evil as the other. If you don't realize that, you need to get your mind renewed by the word of God. It is evil to discriminate on the basis of race whether that's discrimination against whites or against blacks or against whoever. The Bible doesn't make a distinction between oppressor and oppressed when it comes to what sin is. It doesn't say that oppressed people can commit a certain type of sin and that it's okay for them. Oppressed people can be racist. It's just as evil for an oppressed person to do some evil action as it is for a member of another group. White supremacy is just as awful as black supremacy Black pride is just as despicable as white pride. I mean, the devil doesn't care if it's whites hating blacks or blacks hating whites. He doesn't care who does the hating as long as the hating gets done. CRT, however, says it's only racist if a white person does it. Coca-Cola was caught doing a diversity training a couple years ago where it told people in the training to be less white. That's a real quote from their training. Be less white. And then it went through a series of negative characteristics that, that people have, like arrogance 
And it just declared those characteristics to be whiteness. It said that arrogance is whiteness. Now, can you just imagine for a minute if someone had done a presentation where they said, be less black, and then they equated blackness with things like, you know, all other ne negative characteristics like arrogance or said laziness or grumpiness, that those are blackness. Can you imagine how wrong that would be if someone got up and said, don't come to work grumpy. Grumpiness is blackness. That would be one of the most despicable things I can imagine a workplace doing. And that's what many corporations are doing toward white people. That's moral asymmetry. You're treating the different races in different ways. So let me throw out a couple of questions. And just to show you how pervasive this line of thought is in our culture, uh, um, I want you to ask yourself these questions. How do you know if you have a biblical mindset or one that's been infected by the spirit of the age? Here's some questions to consider. Are you as offended by anti-white racism as you are by anti-black racism? Are you as offended by black supremacists as you are by white supremacists? Do you find black pride as offensive as white pride? Because last I checked, pride is a sin. And taking pride in your skin color is sinful. I mean, wouldn't it be weird if I said, George Washington was a great man who founded this country, and he was white, and I'm white, so I'm proud to be like George Washington. Hashtag white pride. You know, if I got up and said that, wouldn't that just be a stupid thing to say? <laughs> Frankly, that would be embarrassing to say. In modern culture, I think it would be called hate speech to even say that. So I'm just saying, if racial pride is, is wrong for one group, it's wrong for all groups. And if you don't realize that, you need to get your mind renewed by God's word. Because the culture has caused you to adopt a morally asymmetrical attitude. And one of the ways that CRT is corrupting is that it produces these unbiblical attitudes in people. All right, well, let's get to our third point today. The unbiblical actions that come from critical race theory. A third way that CRT is unbiblical is in the actions it produces. Jesus said that you would know whether a tree is a good tree or a bad tree by the fruit it produces. And the actions are the fruit of a worldview's foundations and attitudes. So let's analyze a few of these outcomes. The first one that I wanna talk about today is the charge of racism as a response to every police shooting of a black person. And let me give you my vantage point whenever I see in the news a police shooting happen, uh, which it's the same vantage point that most Americans have of such things. It seems like the media just reports the information without any context as to what was going on. It'll just be a headline with just a few details like police shoot black teen, as if that's all you need to know to understand what was going on. The culture immediately declares, this is racist. This must have been motivated by racism. Now, to me, I'm saying, let's wait for the facts to come out. Maybe it's racist, maybe it's not. But let's wait and see what the facts say. But the culture, on the other hand, it just wants to immediately declare it to be racist. And why do they do that? Because there's a racial disparity between how many blacks are shot by police and how many whites are. And, and because of the disparity, that means it's considered to be racist regardless of reasons, intent, justification, anything. Now, it's true that the black population has violent encounters with police at a higher rate than their percentage of the population would imply, 
But there's also higher rates of crime in the black community than their percentage of the population would imply. There's also all kinds of other factors to consider, some of which can be tied to skin color and historical discrimination. And then there's others that have nothing to do with all that stuff. So to jump to racism and immediately denounce a cop as racist, that runs a really high risk of slandering someone whenever you do that. And slander is a work of the flesh. Like the police officer could be completely innocent and justified in his shooting. And yet people will try to ruin his life over the fact that he shot a black person. There's no reason not to wait for all the facts to come out before you comment on the situation. We need to have some (laughs) self-control. The world wants to jump to racism, 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 but that is not how Christians ought to think. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. That's what it says in Proverbs 18, 13. Do you want to be ashamed? Because a lot of people have made themselves look stupid by jumping to conclusions over the past few years, firing off about police shootings before the facts even come to light. And not only that, but we got to remember, God keeps a record as well. He keeps a record of everything we say. We ought to judge with righteous judgment because to label someone racist, that's something that's just thrown around way too flippantly these days. And each of us is going to have to stand someday before God and answer for our words. A second rotten fruit of CRT is the rioting and looting that we observed a couple years ago as a response to police shootings. That stuff is evil. It is a work of Satan. It should be condemned unequivocally. No excuses made for it. The Bible does not tell us to riot and loot. It doesn't matter what people on CNN say or sociologists who try to explain why this is natural or justified, why politicians, when they cheer it on, what a professor says at your university, doesn't matter. Christians listen first and foremost to what the Bible says. Riots are another work of the flesh. They are never justified. Theft is against one of the Ten Commandments. Looting is theft. It is evil. And yet, a couple years ago, I saw people that I had known as Christians for years make excuses for these BLM riots that were going on back in 2020. That grieved me because it showed a heart that's gotten away from God's heart and and has gotten caught up in the spirit of the age. I mean, there were more than a billion dollars that year in property damage. That's the fruit of critical race theory. A third one is bitterness. The bitterness, division, the anger that it has fostered. We went from a period in the late 90s through the early 2000s of of high racial unity in our society, uh, perhaps hitting its peak at the moment that we elected a black man as president of the United States. But ever since then, it seems like racial tension has gone, uh, has been elevated in this country. Race relations have gone downhill, especially ever since about 2012. And I have my own theories about who is instigating racial tension and why they're doing it, but, but I won't get into all that. One thing I can say today is that they're using critical race theory to do it. At a time when racial harmony should never have been better in this country, the rise in CRT has also seen a rise in bitterness between the races. And bitterness does not come from God. It comes from this negative mindset. God wants to set us free from, from bitterness. This deconstructionist idea that everything exists in, op- in opposition to something else that white only has a meaning of opposite of black, that is not godly. A fourth fruit is the complete lack of grace that we're seeing. 
Lots of people term this as cancel culture nowadays. The idea of cancel culture is this desire to ban people that you disagree with from the public sphere, including from social media, from the marketplace, getting them fired from their jobs. P people are getting social media mobs to rise against them for something that they said a decade ago. And it could be a racist joke or it could be something totally different. Um, a lot of times, the things that are being declared racist, it's not always apparent why they're being called racist. Like they took the Native American off of the Land O'Lakes Butter logo. They took Uncle Ben's picture off the rice package. <laughs> Dr. Seuss books were banned for harmful stereotypes, but the harm was never explained. And when this mob comes after you, there's no grace or forgiveness. Uh, the tearing down of statues by the mobs, that's vandalism. And four or five years ago, the statues of Confederate figures were being torn down and people said, what's next? Like, what's the limiting principle here? Are you going after all the American historical figures? Even Donald Trump was questioning this back in 2016 and 17 when he was president. He's like, when we start tearing down statues, where does it end? And people made fun of him for that. But then in the 2020 riots, they were tearing down monuments to George Washington, to Thomas Jefferson, even Abraham Lincoln. I mean, Lincoln, <laughs> about whom they said he never showed that Black Lives Mattered to him. <laughs> they said that about Lincoln, the man who signed the Emancipation Proclamation to free the slaves. But, but these mobs wanted to change the name of a high school that was named after him in San Francisco because they said that Lincoln never showed that Black Lives Mattered to him. Literally what they said. They've been changing the names of sports teams for a perceived racism. There's a movement to ban Shakespeare. The Muppet Show has a disclaimer when you put it on. Aunt Jemima is looking for a new mascot. <laughs> Buy a Cherokee Jeep while you can because they want to change the name of that too. All of this demonization and lack of grace, all that is evil fruit. It's demonizing other people, showing a complete lack of grace for your fellow man. One last bad fruit that I want to mention today is the victimization mentality that CRT fosters. It is harmful to tell minorities that the whole world is out to get you, that you're being hunted in the streets, that when a black man like Jacob Blake back in 2020, when he got shot for pulling a knife on the cops, originally this was reported that he was unarmed, but, but it turned out to be false and that he was resisting arrest. He was pulling a knife on the cops and he was shot. And it was totally justified. But when he was shot, I would even see Christian leaders getting up and saying things. They would say, our hearts go out to the black community about this shooting. To say that, it is so wrong to tell them that. Because that's victimizing them over something that has nothing to do with their race. Jacob Blake, who was also a rapist, by the way, he was violating his restraining order. And then when the cops showed up, he resisted arrest. He tried to get away in a car that had kids inside of it. And when they approached him to stop him, then he went for a knife. Then they shot him. It had nothing to do with his skin color. And anyone who tries to make that a race thing, that's terrorizing black people and that's shameful. And even today, he's held up as one of the martyrs of the Black Lives Matter movement, even though he didn't die, by the way. <laughs> he's even falsely reported as being dead when he didn't die from that shooting. But today he's considered a martyr of the BLM, even though his shooting was 100% justified. 
And it is shameful to try to make all black people feel scared because of that. Like, if you say that the black community needs to be concerned about what happened to Jacob Blake, let me just ask you a question. <laughs> do, you think, do, you, do you think that all black people are violent criminals or rapists or that they all try to attack cops with knives? Why do you think that black people need to be afraid of the cops because of what happened to Jacob Blake? He was a violent criminal, and what happened to him was entirely because of his choices, not because of his skin color. But in the name of anti-racism, the CRT crowd wants to make Jacob Blake a representative of the black community. I remember one leader said at this time, he said, this is why as black people, we need to teach our kids how to listen to the cops. Now I'm thinking when I heard that, don't all good parents teach their kids to listen to the cops? Like I taught my son to listen to the cops, how to behave if he ever gets stopped by a police officer, keep your hands on the wheel, be respectful. My son's from Oklahoma. He's as white as a sheet of paper. But treating police with respect and complying with their commands, that's something that everybody should do. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. The victimization mentality that CRT instills in its followers, that is a bad fruit. If you teach a people group, hey, the whole world is against you. The cops are trying to kill you. It is so much harder for you to be successful in life than everyone else. Whenever you do that, you're teaching them to not even try. In fact, I have a story about this. When I was 16, when I was getting ready to go to college, I started college early. and But up until then, I had wanted to be a pediatrician. For some reason, that was just my dream for, for most of my childhood. I wanted to be a doctor, specifically a pediatrician. And right around that time, like we were at, we were at a doctor's appointment and I mentioned to the doctor that I had a goal to be a, a doctor, to be a pediatrician. He told me, so he says, just FYI, he told me, as a white male, you're going to be in the toughest demographic to get scholarships and to get acceptance into medical institutions because he said they'll always give preference to minorities and the, and the women who apply to those things. So 16-year-old me, when I heard that, I thought, oh man, I guess I better try something else. <laughs> and after my first semester in college, those words just kept ringing in my, in my head all the time. And I ended up changing my major. I ended up getting a journalism degree instead. Now, I'm just going to mention this too, like all these years later. I'm not, I'm not telling this story because I'm bitter about that or upset, thinking, oh, I should have been a doctor. Um, I wish I had, you know, people in college, they change their degrees all the time. So what I did was a very typical thing. I wish I hadn't changed it because I heard that it would be too hard. Um, but I'm okay with the fact that I changed it. I wish I'd had a different reason for changing it, that I shouldn't have just thought, oh, it's too hard to do this. Anyway, in the long run, I'm very happy with where I ended up. So I'm not bitter about that. Here's why I share that story. I'm just illustrating that someone told me that a particular job was going to be more difficult for me because of my race. And by telling me that, it influenced me to not even want to try. So as I look around today, I see that same issue going on in the direction of minority people. White people keep telling black people, it's going to be so much harder for you to be successful in life. You're a victim. You'll always be a victim. Everyone else has white privilege and you're just going to have a harder time getting ahead. Well, if you keep reinforcing that message to black people, you'll cause them to not even want to try. And that is an evil idea to put in someone's head when we live in a free country. That's bad fruit. And a fifth bad fruit 
of Critical Race Theory. We'll close down in a few minutes with a quick recap and some personal application of this of the lesson today. Um, if you have a question on the subject today or a disagreement or something that you think I didn't cover, leave a comment, shoot us an email, crossreferencespodcast at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to take some questions or recommendations on subjects that you think I should tackle in the future. Next time on this podcast, we'll be back in the book of Ezekiel with an episode covering chapter six. So look for that to come in the next week or two. Um, sometimes whenever I do these two-parter episodes, I put them out together, and then I, I sometimes take a week off before I do the next episode. So I haven't even decided if I'm going to do that yet. <laughs> Just look for the Ezekiel chapter 6 episode sometime in the next couple weeks. So today, just to recap, we discussed at the beginning what a belief system is. It's a worldview. It's foundations, attitudes, actions. There are foundational beliefs that lead to certain attitudes, which manifest in certain actions. That's why it's called a system, a belief system. The things we do stem from the attitudes we have. And those are, those are based on particular core tenets, which are the foundation of our worldview. That's a belief system. And from there, we discussed the foundations, attitudes, and actions that come from critical race theory. So first were the problems with the foundations of CRT. And the first problem with CRT foundationally is that its definitions are simply wrong. Now, it's fair to say that definitions change over time, that language naturally evolves, but CRT does not rely on the natural evolution of language, but it instead genetically engineers language in order to arrive at a desired conclusion. Second, it relies on a framework of history that is historically inaccurate, such as the 1619 Project and the, out, the outright false assertions about the USA's founding. Third, it produces an unbiblical foundation in truth, the idea that minorities have a greater access to truth than white people. In the second section, we talked about the attitudes of CRT. Not only are the foundations unbiblical, but so are the attitudes that result from them. And the attitudes are the most dangerous part because this is where many Christians get sucked into CRT thinking. First of all, CRT has the wrong attitude about identity. It tells you to look for your identity primarily in your racial group, rather than looking for it in Christ. Second, race has clearly become an idol in modern culture. This is tied in with the first point where we get our identity. And then third, CRT produces a moral asymmetry, saying that it's okay for some people to engage in certain actions, but not for people of another race. Just today, as I was preparing this lesson, I, I saw a headline about how a church in Chicago is practicing Lent this year, and they've told its members that it's fasting from whiteness during Lent. Now, I'm not a Lent-following Christian, so I don't, <laughs> I don't even much care about what other people or churches who do Lent, what they want to do. But the idea that you need to fast from a race, that's part of this whole CRT mindset. It's a further example of the moral asymmetry of CRT. If a church had said that it was fasting from blackness or doing a religious abstinence from something associated with any other racial group, it would be rightly condemned as evil. But a literal church here is announcing its fast from whiteness. 
including temporarily banning any music that's written or composed by white people. That's yet another example of CRT's unbiblical attitudes. And then in the last part, we discussed the fruit of CRT thinking and how that is unbiblical too. Examples of this were the charge of racism as a response to every police shooting of a black person, also the rioting and looting as a response to police shootings. Even if, like, even if the original police shooting was indeed racist, rioting as a result is not a godly response. Another fruit is the bitterness, the division, the anger that CRT has, fo- has fostered. And a fourth fruit is the complete lack of grace. An example of those last two fruits, that would be the modern cancel culture phenomenon. And then one last bad fruit that we talked about was the victimization mentality of CRT, especially making black people feel like they can't succeed unless a white person lifts them up or that the cops are out to get them. I mean, besides being untrue, those things just create more problems than they fix. If you look at how racial tension in this society has only increased over the past decade, while at the same time the influence of CRT has also risen, it's clear that CRT has been counterproductive at racial reconciliation. Frankly, I find it hard to believe that CRT actually desires any kind of racial reconciliation or dismantling the so-called systems of oppression, seeing as how it only increases the racial divide and it reinforces a Marxist class system in its way of thinking. CRT is not the answer to racial tension, but I will tell you what is. The gospel is the answer to racial tension. The Bible has the answers to racial tension. Jesus is the answer to racial tension. A couple years ago, this was right after that George Floyd situation, which happened in May of 2020. I was talking to this elderly woman about it all, and she's in her 90s. She needed a ride somewhere, so I was just helping her out. And she started to bring up the subject of all the the Black Lives Matter stuff that was going on, uh, because it was just in the news everywhere at that point. And she said... She was talking about how she had always tried her, her whole life to treat everybody the same, regardless of skin color and how disgraceful all this anger is and so forth. And I'm just kind of listening and nodding along with what she's saying. But, but then she drops this on me. She says, but, you know, I don't think it's right for people of different races to get married. And then she just went on talking and, and I was a little taken aback when I heard that. Uh, And I know that's a somewhat common view, um, especially the older someone is, right? The more likely they are to hold it. And and I can even understand why someone might say, uh, hey, I find that I have more in common with people of my own culture. So I look for a mate primarily within my racial group. And I can understand all that. But to say that it's wrong or immoral to to be in an interracial marriage, that is actually a racist view. And honestly, you know, the opinion of a 90-year-old woman on that, it's not something that's going to have much of an effect on the world. And and I could have just let it go, thought nothing about it, never would have probably mattered. But this 90-year-old woman, she's also a Christian, and I was her pastor. And I didn't want to let it slide because I just don't want anyone to have a racist attitude, especially not someone who's part of the Church of Jesus. So I, I challenged her on it. Uh, and, and I hate to even do that because I don't like to correct older people. Um, you know, I want to honor and respect them. But I just, I gently said, you know, um, earlier you mentioned that it was wrong for people of different races to get married. 
And I just want you to know, it's not wrong according to the Bible. And as she was processing that, I just added in, you know, even Moses was married to a black woman. Now, whenever I said that, she was shocked and I saw her eyes light up and she's like, she's like, I never knew that. So it's really okay. That's what I remember her saying. She's like, so it's really okay. This was good news to the old woman. And after we got done with driving her to her appointment and we got back to her home and her daughter was there at her house, as soon as we walked in the door, she went over to her daughter and she said, did you know Moses was married to a black woman? (laughs) And she was excited about it. It was like this burden had been lifted off of her. And, you know, I had been a little nervous about saying something originally, but I was glad I did because honestly, it just made her really happy to know that. So I want you to notice, though, what changed this, you know, this slightly racist attitude that the woman had. What changed it? It was the Bible. Guess what? A biblical mindset is the answer to racial tension. The world's methods are to shout, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a white supremacist, and to try to get them fired, get them canceled, set set their businesses on fire and riot and loot, and change your social media account to a black square and use a BLM hashtag. And let me tell you something, not a single one of those things ever made anybody less racist. But the Bible does. So let's not look to critical race theory for our answers because it doesn't have any. Look to God. Thanks for listening to the Cross References podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you that two plus two equals four.